In late June, California Governor Jerry Brown signed into law a bill that eliminates religious and philosophical exemptions to vaccine mandates for school entry. The law makes California one of three states to permit only medical exemptions for school children. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Michelle Mello, a professor of law and health research and policy at Stanford University. Professor Mello has co-authored a perspective article about the factors that allowed California to pass its contentious bill and what the future holds for vaccination policy in other states. Professor Mello, you write in your article that only a year and a half before this bill was passed, California had already added new requirements for parents seeking personal belief exemptions. So what changed? Why were those requirements no longer sufficient? Well, I think what changed was measles. In between adopting those requirements, which required parents to now seek and obtain a physician's attestation before they applied for a waiver, the state of California was confronted with a Disneyland measles outbreak, and there was widespread concern about the scope of vulnerability to diseases like measles and whether the new law would be sufficient to avoid a recurrence of something that deadly in the future. According to findings that you cite, rates of personal belief exemptions in California had doubled since 2007, and vaccination coverage was low enough to jeopardize herd immunity in a quarter of the state's schools. Is that consistent with trends in the rest of the country as well? It's higher in California than in most other places. There are pockets in other states where we see similar rates, but what is striking is just how many communities and how widely dispersed they are throughout the state of California that are at this level where children in the kindergarten setting cannot be assured that as a collectivity they have sufficient immunity to resist an agent like measles. You talk about the widely publicized Disneyland outbreak of measles as a major factor in this bill. Why did that outbreak in particular have such a strong effect on public opinion? There have certainly been previous outbreaks in the country. Yes, and in fact, California and other states had recently had a similar experience with pertussis, whooping cough. And in both of those outbreaks, quite frankly, public health experts, I think, were more concerned about it than the average member of the public. But for some reason, measles resonated more with parents than pertussis did. Many parents don't know what pertussis is. Measles is a little bit more familiar, and it got an enormous amount of media publicity in part due to the association with Disneyland and the very rapid outbreak that occurred thereafter. So it was on parents' radar screens. But still, it was not as though there was a panic in California by any means. Still, measles is still a disease with which most parents of small children have no personal experience, even in their extended families and little awareness that, although it's not fatal for most, it can be a fatal or very serious illness. So even that outbreak alone, I think, would not have been enough to get this legislation over the bar were it not for some other factors in play. And on the other side, you write that there's an effort already underway to collect signatures for a referendum to repeal the law. Is repeal a legitimate fear, or do you think opposition will die down over time? I think there will continue to be very strong opposition to the bill but among a minority of parents. So I don't view a referendum as a real threat to the continuing viability of the law, even if they were to get the requisite number of signatures. It's, in my view, very unlikely to pass. Another concern is that some healthcare professionals in California will serve the anti-vaccination community by providing so-called medical exemptions that aren't really needed. Has anything like that happened in West Virginia and Mississippi? the only other states that allow only medical exemptions. 
I'm not aware that it has, but California is somewhat distinctive in that it is among the three states that have eliminated both religious and philosophical exemptions. It's the only one in which there is really a substantial, powerful, well-organized, well-educated opposition to the legislation. It's that high degree of organization, connectivity on the Internet, interchange and communication, that would create a threat that this group might be successful in identifying or persuading providers to assist them with their objective. I think we just don't see that kind of mobilization around the issue in the other states. Do you think there'll be additional states that will follow California's footsteps and tighten their policies on these exemptions? I think it's very possible. There are lots of states that have been trying to tighten in more modest ways. For example, the types of ways that California did before requiring that physician's attestation or just eliminating the philosophical exemption and preserving the religious exemption. I think what California's experience shows is that it is possible to succeed with this fairly aggressive approach to tightening requirements, even in the face of opposition that is ferocious, albeit small in numbers. And that may be inspiring to legislators and public health officials in other states who have felt that that's the right course of action, but that they could never get the legislation over the bar. Finally, what do California pediatricians now face in terms of educating their patients? And should pediatricians around the country be working for stricter exemption laws? Well, it's interesting to think about how this will play out with pediatricians. Under the prior legal regime, they really had a very heavy burden in California. They're facing a situation in which their patients were collectively very vulnerable to disease. There was a strong need for them to ensure that parents got their children vaccinated. But Legally, there was a pretty wide out for parents, and so the onus was really on pediatricians to educate, to exhort, to persuade, and to resist over the last year these requests for the physician attestation that would allow parents to get the exemption. Arguably, pediatricians are now in a little bit easier position because the legal presumption is you get this unless there's a good medical reason not to. They don't have to persuade parents that it's the right thing to do their task is more limited to persuade parents there isn't a medical reason for contraindication. So I think this will ease things for pediatricians, but there is an ongoing battle that they, the public health community, and the schools need to fight together to help people understand the facts about vaccinations and how the risks associated with them compare to the risks of vaccine-preventable illness. I think that is going to be an ongoing task for everybody. Thank you, Professor Mello. 